Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Yes, hello and welcome to Off the Bench for another week. Two hours of power about to come your way. Rob Beaver and Paul Hazelby with you. Just thought I'd slide my name in first as the host and... I'm not here next week, Hayes. Neither are you. No, Big going away on holiday. coming up. You've gone on holiday. Some of us have to work through Christmas. We'll have a whinge about that uh, a little bit later. But I do need to introduce you, of course, Paul Hazelby. Welcome to the show. Hey, great to be with you, Beaver. Been a big year, hasn't it? We're going to reminisce a bit about some of the big stories uh, that occurred throughout our show, throughout the year. So make sure you tune in for the duration of the show. It's going to be a beauty. And I was at the cricket yesterday, Beaver. Yeah. Long day. Mm-hmm. 40 degrees. Did you keep cool? or what was Wasn't the, that bad. Wasn't, like, wasn't that no, bad. Were you at the Boundary Beach Club, were you? Or? I didn't get in the beach club. I was waiting for my opportunity. Got into the members, not being a member, but snuck in there somehow. <laughs> but don't tell anyone about that. But uh, wasn't that hot? With all this talk about 40, 41, yes, it would have been really hot for the players. I understand that. But the comfort in our stadium is unbelievable. So much shade and some... Some slight breeze at times throughout the day. There's, there's different types of 40, isn't there? Mm. There's like underground mining 40, there's dry heat 40, and then there's in the shade with the slight yeah. breeze by there's the river Darwin 40. 40. I don't yeah. know how many times you've been to Darwin, no, but it is never, hot. never been to Darwin. I've got no interest in going to Darwin. Mm. Maybe that's why. Uh, plenty still to come on the program, as Paul Hayes will be alluded to. But as we always do, Hayes, we need to go with our big call off the top. What have you got for us? Well, sometimes with the big call, we go a bit too far, you know? We try. No, and, we that's try what the big call is. That's the nature nah. of the big call. I'm stripping it back today. I'm just going to go simple. On the back of uh, we had Trevor Gleeson play game 400 on Saturday night against the Bullets. It's Damien Martin, game 300. There's no way, no way in the world that the Perth Wildcats lose this game. I know they're favourites, but this is Damien Martin, club stalwart, 300 games. They need a win. They win for him. What? This is why we need to have a, a planning meeting because I'm going with the Wildcats as well. Well, you've got to be flexible. You, if I flexible. do the Wildcats first, you have to come up Just with something Just come up with something on the something spot. Else. Well, what I was going to say was I'm going to do a homicide Williams. I'm going to write the Wildcats off. They can't win the championship because since I wrote them off last week, they're 2-0. 3-0, and in fact. They beat Cairns, the team that they hadn't beaten previously. The Sydney Kings, who have looked unbeatable at times, and I can't remember. I think South East Phoenix was the other team. So there we go. A little bit of a double up to start here. That's good. We'll get our uh, stuff together and we'll keep moving forward. This is Off the Bench. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver, Paul Hazelby with you. We're going to turn our attention to a little bit of cricket. Hayes, we alluded to it off the top. You were at Optus Stadium yesterday. You were lucky enough to sneak into the members area. That won't go anywhere. That's just between me and you. We won't tell anyone that. But the the crowd number, just under 20,000, I believe, from yesterday. Your thoughts? Yeah, look, not enough for mine. What? Now, there's a big debate going on about next year. India is coming for a four-test match series. So one of the big grounds misses out, and it's becoming evident that it's going to be us 
here at Optus Stadium. We had a chance. We had a chance to show Cricket Australia that we are fair dinkum. We've had our tourism minister come out. We've had Mark McGowan come out and talk about this stadium and that we should be trying to take Boxing Day away from Victoria. Well, that is absolute tripe because we put up just over 19,000 yesterday. Had we put up 30,000, and yeah, it was hot, but as I said in the first segment, the stadium is very good. It's in the shade. They had a swimming pool there for some people to utilise throughout the day. We should have got around that 30,000 mark on day one. Yeah, it's a Thursday, but at the Gabba recently, they had their first day, and I think they only got 15,000 on their first day, but that wasn't a day-night test match, and that too was on a Thursday. We missed the beat. I don't think so at all. I think 19,000 on a Thursday, when everyone's working, everybody's got Christmas things they need to attend to, it's late-night shopping. I think that that's a good crowd. History will tell us, people, that I think the first day's crowd is often... The, the highest, because that's all the true purists of cricket. They want to go. They want to see the first ball, see the national anthem. I'm not sure across the next few days. We'll wait to see what happens uh, later today with the end result that uh, is going on right now. I don't think it's going to be too much past that mark. It might not be too much past, but if you go, let, let's look at Brisbane got, I think, 45 across the, the, 48, the, the we'll four say. days. Let, let's just round it and say 50. They got 50 over the, the four days that it went up there. And you're saying, hang on, we got basically half that in one day. And that was a Thursday. There was late night shopping. Everyone's cruising. I, I think 19,000 is not a great crowd, but I think it's a, a solid enough crowd. You build that again. If you get 19,000 every day or 20,000 every day, you're looking at 80. You basically doubled Brisbane. And I think how can you not say that Perth's in the box seat over Brisbane if you're looking at attendances for India next summer? I think the players have played a part here too. They love playing at the Gabba because every time they open a series there against whoever their opponent is, they win. I don't think we've lost there for probably 30 or 40 years now. And I know the Centre of Excellence too is on the East Coast. It is in Queensland as well that the Australian team utilises that ground. So I think that has played a part. They want that to be the opener against uh, India next year because, let's be honest, we, we lost to India last time round and we didn't play at the Gabba first time round because of their control. Mm-hmm. The first game was actually at Adelaide Oval. So I think for the players, they want it there. And for us to make a statement, we missed it yesterday. Should have had 30,000. Well, this might be a non-issue in a couple of weeks if the MCG pitch isn't up to scruff. The MCG might be the one that misses out. Now, I don't actually hope that's the case, and I'm sick of people in WA saying we need to pinch all these events from the eastern states, but this might be a non-issue in a couple of weeks. But I think 19,000 on day one isn't bad. Yeah, but for us to think that we're second in line to get the Boxing Day test, nah, if that occurs, it's not going straight to Adelaide Oval. Not a hope. Not a hope. This is Off the Bench, Rob Beaver and Paul Hazelby. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver, Paul Hayes will be continuing with you and uh, continuing on the topic of some cricket, Hayes. Yeah, good start by the Aussies in this first test against New Zealand. I thought uh, the Kiwis, they bowled really well, particularly the first day, impressed with uh, their line and length. Didn't get always the rewards that they deserved, but a pretty good first day bowling from the Kiwis. Now, our team, just looking at it, we have some absolute generational stars in our team. Currently, we're ranked five, and I know that's a little bit of the back end of losing Smith and Warner for that period of time when we are in crisis here in this country. But I'm going to name these players, and these are generational players. I think by the time their career is done, they'll be regarded inside the top eight players, either as a batsman or a bowler. I want your opinion on whether you agree. Nathan Lyon. Greatest of all time spinner. He's now up to nearly 400 wickets. He's going to go down 
as an absolute great of the game, regardless of whether you probably think he does enough. He's, he's turned his career around, so I agree that he probably will go down in that vein. Yep. Pat Cummins, regarded as the number one fast bowler in the world. If he stays fit, he is one of our all-time greats. Josh Hazelwood, same. He has raced to 200 wickets. He's in the same probably uh, area with Mitch Stark as well, that whilst he's had some periods where he hasn't dominated, he is a very good fast bowler. And if he keeps this pace up, he'll be alongside uh, your Jason Gillespie. He's not your Glenn McGrath's, but within the top five fast bowlers of all time, wicket-wise. And then you look at our batsman. Well, Warner's got to be up there for what he's done. I think he's already now 12th on the list. If he plays for another three years, he enters the stratosphere in terms of top six Aussies. Steve Smith, I think when it's all said and done, will be inside the top two for run scorers with Ricky Ponting. And we've seen enough from Marnus Labuschagne in one season, one calendar year. He's now nearly made 1,000, which is rarely done in this game of cricket. He's only got improvement ahead of him. He is going to go on, given his age. If he plays for 10 years, he'll be up with those two as well. So we should be winning every game of cricket, Beef. Lyon, Cummins, Warner, Smith. I agree. Labuschagne probably gone a little bit early, but based on his form, he's looked irresistible so far. So I'll agree with you on that one. Hazelwood, I agree. He's, he's The stats are probably there, and, and mm. you give him however many more years that he ends up playing for, you can probably make the argument for him. I think he's a bit of a victim of the success of a guy like Cummins, though. And as you mentioned, you, you lump... Hazelwood in with the same guy, uh, sorry, so the same company as Stark. If, if Cummins isn't there, we're sitting there going, wow, we've got one of the best attacks in the world. And you put Cummins in and people just go, okay, well, Stark and Hazelwood are a second mm. fiddle to him, which is unfortunate given the um, the stats and the, and the figures that they actually do when they're bowling. But I, I think, look, there's five, as you say, Labuschagne, Warner, Smith, Cummins, Lyon. I, the jury's out for me on Hazelwood. I, I'm probably not as big a fan of him as some other people are, but you're right. I think when all's said and done, the statistics will probably mm. be there to back up that case. Absolutely. And uh, we should be winning. We just need another opener. Joe Burns failing again. Even Steve Smith at the crease. He didn't look uh, his normal self. Faced it, a lot of balls. Isn't it interesting? The rise of Labuschagne has coincided mm. almost with the fall of Steve Smith. Smith, and I'm not sure why that is. It's not a fall, let's be honest. He made 43. I think in the other innings he got 34, and he got out once cheaply against made Pakistan. Four, yeah, I think four, He's a victim maybe. of uh, his own uh, expectations and success. Off the bench, Rob Beaver, Paul Hazelby. We're going to change our tack to a bit of AFL after this. Off the bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver, Paul Hazelby with you. Time to talk a bit of AFL and Hayes. Uh, since we last spoke, Lockie Whitfield from the GWS Giants, he's re-upped on a seven-year deal. This is on the back of uh, Stephen Cornelio signing a long-term deal. Jeremy Cameron expected to follow suit in the not-too-distant future or for the GWS, of course. Now, this got me thinking, do we need the idea or, or uh, restrictions in place around the length of time that a player can sign in the AFL? Do we need the concept of a max contract, i.e. the maximum that you can sign a player to, not specifically in dollar amounts, but in terms of years, is what I'm talking about at the moment because we've seen the godfather offers... Uh, of course, Buddy, of course, going up to, to Sydney. We've seen guys, Fife, Martin, uh, they've all rumoured to get, I think, six or more years on their deals. Cornelio's just signed, Whitfield's just signed, even Tom Boyd got a long-term deal when he went across to the Bulldogs. Do we need a, a max contract to prevent players being contracted for that long? Or do you think this is a great uh, great move for player security and also team security going forward? Great for players, not great for team security, but I think it's too early, Beeb, to make a decision because this is the first period, I guess, in the AFL where we're living in a period where there is these big longer-term contracts. We've had Buddy Franklin, we've seen that one, and that, to a certain extent, has worked. We've had Tom Boyd, that hasn't worked, but they were lucky because they got out of the Boyd one because he chose to quit, which means they didn't have to pay out his contract for those 
those remaining years. So most of the players now, they're going to free agency. So they get to the six to seven year mark. They're 25, 26. It seems for the very best at that age, they're going to their clubs and saying, it's seven. It's recognised as a standard across the competition. We want seven years. So it's too long, but I think give it another five to six years to see how many of those clubs are actually fulfilling the requirements and getting really good performance out of those players. Because if it gets to a stage down the track where they aren't getting high performance, then I think it will self-correct itself. They learn pretty quickly in the AFL environment. Let's just assume that in five years, the Giants fall off the radar because they've just lost too many players. They paid too many at the top end. Well, then other clubs will look at that and they'll stop giving out these longer contracts. Does the AFL need to step in? Because the AFL loves player movement, let's be real. And if you're signing guys to seven-year deals now, I know obviously a contract only means so much and we see players... Uh, ignore them and basically do what they want anyway. But the AFL loves player movement. Do you think the AFL will get to a point where they go, they don't want seven-year deals because they want players to be constantly moving, constantly in flux, and, and the, the rumour mill out there to constantly be talking about them and putting them in that news cycle? Do you think they love player movement? I, I think, think they, they love the idea of uh, having windows to do that because discussion happens anyway. Like, even if you're a free agent and you're looking to go but you stay... Generally, there's a period of six months, although a lot of players are actually probably shunning that, aren't they? They're basically saying, I don't want to go all that way. I want to get it done early so I don't have to live with that sort of speculation. But I think deep down, Gil McLaughlin is happy when he sees guys, particularly at his baby, the GWS Giants, he loves it when they recommit to that club. Uh, I think he loves that GWS is being recommitted too. As you say, that's his baby, that's his brainchild. I think they love player movement. I think they go... As you say, we want more periods, but why do they want more periods? So that more players can move, Hayes. Mm. I think that's the reason. So let us know your thoughts here on Off the Bench. Plenty more still to come. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver, Paul Hazelby with you on your Friday. Pleasure having your company wherever you're listening in the beautiful state of WA. Uh, AFLW, Hayes. I know you're a big follower down there at the Dockers and also the Eagles. Yeah, are you a big follower? How do you feel about AFLW? I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm excited. I like the idea of AFLW. I think the, the skill progression from year one to what are we coming into year four, four. I think it is, has been outstanding and genuinely phenomenal. And I think there are passages of play which are more aesthetically pleasing to me as a football fan than what the AFL men's side is because the AFL men's just get so bottled up and, and locked into one part of the ground. I, I'm really looking forward to this upcoming season. I want to see that skill development. I want to see a more open game style as well because I think in the women's league, it's probably more conducive to getting wins than it is in the men's league at the moment. Big challenge for the competition this year. They go to 14 teams, so an additional four teams. So I think that adds excitement, but it also dilutes the pool a little bit as well. Yesterday, it was the West Coast Eagles. They announced a bit of a surprise for me in regards to their captain, Emma. Swanson was given the job. She has spent some time over there at the Giants. They looked past. Dana Hooker was their marquee signing, has done most of their media. She was a vice captain at Fremantle, but she retains that role at the West Coast Eagles. It's interesting because, as you say, she was the face, essentially, of this West Coast Eagles mm. women's franchise. So I don't know what's, what's happening. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Dana said, I don't want to be captain. Let's give it to somebody else. But uh, look, an interesting decision nonetheless, but I'm sure there's reasons behind it. They need their stars out there, and it was good to read about Aaron Phillips, the two-time essential Brownlow medal winner in the AFLW competition. She hurt her knee in the grand final last year, but she's on track for round one potentially to come back. And I think this year, if she gets a full season, Kiara Bowers, look out for her from the Fremantle Dockers. She is unbelievable. She missed the first two seasons with her knee injury. Last year came back, won the best and fairest for the club down. 
down there, but with another preseason, this girl, I'm telling you, Beef, this girl is an absolute star. They call her Turbo. In my time in footy, I've never seen anybody eat up training, eat up rehab more than her. Did you ever get the nickname Turbo for your lightning not quick once. speed on the field? No, never. Not nothing? for my work no. ethic that I used to show in the gym, and uh, that's why I'm left with these big guns. Oh, yeah, just get the pegs out. See, what? In, in all seriousness, though, let's yeah, talk about... I did work on these for 11 years. In, in, all, all, in all seriousness, put the guns away. We don't need to say that. In all seriousness, though, talking about the, the men's side for the female dog, because you mentioned speed and the concept of turbo, what do you think of Cam McCarthy being put on a win? Because he doesn't have that lightning quick speed like a Brad Hill did. The execution, I think, he's probably got at least a part of the skills and part of the tricks in that bag, but the endurance, I think, is the big issue. Sounds good in theory. Look, I think he can run. I think finding the footy is probably going to be his biggest issue. He's not a high-possession player. He's a very good, uh, skilled a user of the ball inside the Ford 50. But I, I did coach this kid growing up, and he's a very good leader at the play. So he knows when to go, but I just don't think he knows how to find space enough. It's going to be competitive. We had Nathan Fife come out uh, the other day and really talk up Brett Bewley, saying that he's locked in on the wing. And then you've got Stephen Hill. So if Stephen Hill's fit, does he play on the other wing? Then you've got James Aish coming into the team, and then you've got Blake Akers. So you can't play all of them out there on the wing. I think it's great for his development, give him a pre-season. He needs freshening up, Cam McCarthy. But if it is to be for him, I think it is as the third or fourth tall forward and just improving his defensive side of his game. But what do you think of... Uh, Longmuir obviously going in, at least from what we're hearing and seeing, being able to look at a, a whiteboard and say, right, I'm throwing some magnets around. Let's see what I've got here, see what I've got to play with and find some different options because you look at that forward line between McCarthy, Hogan, Lobb, who I know does a bit of rucking, um, and Tabena, depending on what form he comes in. You can't play all four of those guys in the forward line, so you need to find some other options. Exactly right. So I think that's more maybe Justin Longmuir saying, well, no, you don't fit into my forward line, so go away and find another position. Mm. So it's a double-edged sword in a way. So if he doesn't find that, well, then he hasn't done the preseason with the forwards. Does he find himself Mate, he could be a out half of the back. team? He could be a half-back. Who knows? Mate, he, could be, guys do he it? could be a centre-half forward for Peel Thunder if he doesn't <laughs> uh, pull it out. They're saying he's super fit, but last year... He was super fit. Mate, everyone's he hit five super, goals. Everyone's super fit this time. On debut. Everybody comes North back. North Melbourne than last year, not on debut, but in his first game, everyone said, Cam McCarthy's here to stay. You would have come back super fit after every offseason, wouldn't you? Nah. Nah, there were some. When I got injured, yeah, I really battled, to be honest. Yeah. Off the bench, Rob Beaver and Paul Hazelby. It wasn't turbo. Off the bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. The Dig. Dial before you dig. The essential first step. Yes, it is time for me to shine it up, polish it, rub it on the whites. Give the new ball to Paul Hazelby. What has caught your eye this week? Well, I've got a little bit of sandpaper in my pocket, so I'm going to have a real go here. Now, in the Herald Sun, there was an article that came across my desk. Junior football teams are going to be penalised for winning by too many points under an AFL Queensland plan. So they're actually going to encourage players in those teams that if they get too far in front, they are going to stop trying. Now, where does this end? Now, we grew up in an era where you won some games, you lost some games, but uh, you went out there and you gave your all and you learnt lessons from winning and losing. But surely it can't be good to have a group of players actually stop trying. That is disrespectful to the opposition. You're actually running around saying, ha, 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 it's your turn. You go and score a goal because we're getting too close to the threshold. What has happened in modern day sport? I'm very disappointed with this, Goss. That's laughable. I mean, Beaver. Yeah, that's laughable as well. But if you're missing Goss, <laughs> there we go. There a little bit is. of Goss for you. But it's laughable, isn't it? Because I, oh. I, look, I've, I've 
coach junior football here in WA. And the one thing that we get told is if you, there's a little bit of a mercy rule, an unspoken mercy rule, but it's not stop trying. It's move the magnets around and throw players into different positions, try to develop the players in other positions if the game's already out of reach. What, what are you teaching kids? You go, oh, don't try. Do three quarters of the job, and if you're good enough, you can just excel. And what are you teaching to the guys that are getting flogged? Don't worry, because they'll ease up soon. Yeah. That's not how life works. Life not doesn't life. get easier on you as you get older. That's not how it works, Life Ace. will keep coming, keep belting you down. Exactly. It's a little bit dramatic. But the point is that you're not teaching them any life skills by that, are you? No. no that's ridiculous. I don't like that at all. Well, but that's, that, that's soft Queenslanders. That's what yeah. that is, Ace. Um Look, I'm staying with the AFL, but I'm going for this. What's this new period they want after the... The draft period, they want a new trade period after the draft period to supplement the supplemental period. Is that what they're saying? They've got a supplemental period throughout the year up until June where you can pick up a player. They wanted a mid-season draft. They went to the AFL clubs and they said, no, we don't like that idea. Then we've got a trade period that happens in October. Mm -hmm. We love that. And we've got the draft. Not the national draft. And now, Beef, I'm not going to steal this off you because now they want to actually have another Trade period after the draft period. So let me let me ask you this: How many people do you think are involved in recruiting and drafting in a football club? Give me give me a, a rough number. Fifteen. Oh, and they're all full time contractors. Not all full time, no. but they're all contractors. Okay, so they're they're all working twelve months a year though. There's there's things going yep. on for the full twelve months. You're telling me that what do you got a two week trade period where nothing gets done for the first eight days anyway at the end of October. You then get a draft period, which you've got 12 months to plan for. Some of them, the kids that are in there are longer because they're playing under 18s as underages. And now you're telling me that these people who are paid to do one thing, evaluate talent, look at a list, they're now going, oh, look, we'd really like another 30. No! No, 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 no. Get rid of it. We don't bloody need it. We don't need it. And also the AFL want to be this player welfare god. This is not good for player no. welfare because a kid has started his preseason training in yeah. November. So come December, which is right now, he gets the phone call to say, "Oh look, nah, yeah, look, nah, you're, you're pick five, but we've got a good. way to get pick three. So you're going up to the Gold Coast. I know you just came from WA. You just moved your life over to Melbourne, but now you, no, can't no, be good. No. AFL, give him a clock. Get it, oh, give him a break. Our time for plenty more still to come here on off the bench. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver and Paul Hazelby with you here on Off the Bench. We've got a very special guest. His name is Tony Pignata. He's the CEO of the Perth Glory. The Glory not doing all that well so far this season. Of course, they were uh, looking down the barrel at a draw against the Newcastle Jets. They lost 3-1 to Sydney FC. They then go and lose to Melbourne Victory, but last time out they recovered well. They go over to Melbourne City FC. They take a 3-0 victory. Hopefully, that is the catalyst. That gets the monkey off the back. There's plenty to talk about. Uh, Tony Pignata, how are you? Um, yeah, always better after three points. Oh, well, uh, winning makes the job a hell of a lot easier, Tony, as you would know, and uh, that's exactly what you guys were able to do last week uh, over there in Melbourne. But talk us through it because statistics, and we see this all the time in, in varying sports around the world, but they're used in everyday life. People love the analytical side of the game, but 37% of the possession, but you go on to win 3-0. You must be pleased that you're able to finally make good on some of the chances you've been creating. Yeah, no, very good. Yeah, it's, um, you know, over the past few weeks, we've been having possessions and, you know, I think the game against Victory, we had like 22 shots to eight and just couldn't find the back of the net. Found the post a few times, but, uh, no, it all came good last Friday night in Melbourne and um, now we're looking forward to uh, Saturday night's game against the Wanderers at HBF Park, albeit it'll be a little bit hot, I think. 
And it was a big night for the club last night with the uh, Group F stage, which was drawn for the Asian Champions League. This is big news. Now, what do you think of being involved in Group F and some of the other teams? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very good draw, to be honest. Um, some some good teams, some big clubs there. Shanghai Shenhua is a, is a massive Chinese club. Um, and, uh, you know, Ulsan from Korea, a very good team as well. And a former player, Jason Davidson, is playing there now. So it'd be uh, nice to welcome Jason uh, back here, back to Perth. And then we uh, we play a playoff team, which most likely will be FC Tokyo. Um, we think they'll get through, and they they finish second in the J League. So tough tough group, but uh, now we're excited, and uh, it's what we've been playing for to make Champions League. It's the first time Perth Glory has played in the, in the uh, Asian Champions League, and uh, we're really looking forward to it. So how does it work from here, Tony? In regards to the fixtures, I'm looking at some fixtures. I'm not sure if they're all locked in yet, but play each other twice. Is that how it works? Yeah, it's a group of four. You play home and away, so it's six games. And our first game is uh, at home uh, against Shanghai Shenhua on February the 11th. And then we're away potentially to Tokyo uh, on the 18th of Feb. And off we go. And we've got to really try and manage the uh, the squad, uh, you know, with A-League fixtures and uh, Asian Champions League fixtures uh, sort of thrown in together and, and the travel that that's involved. Tony Pignata joining us here on Off the Bench. He'll hang around. We hope you do too. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver, Paul Hazelby with you. We're still joined by Perth Glory CEO Tony Pignata. Tony, thanks for hanging around. We're talking, of course, about the Champions League. Uh, talk to us about what it means for the, the, the club and the organisation if you're actually able to progress throughout the tournament. Yeah, look, the winner gets $4 million US dollars. Um, and, uh, you know, you know, Western Sydney Wonders under Tony Popovich won it a few years ago and Adelaide United made a final uh, probably, you know, nine, ten years ago. Um, but, yeah, look, it's just prestigious for, for, for a club like us to be there playing against some of these big Asian clubs. Um, you know, we've had today inundated with, uh, I suppose, companies uh, wanting to get involved somehow um, because, you know, Asia is such a big... Uh, trade market, and you know, we're talking with government, we're talking with airlines. Uh, you know, A and A now fly direct to uh, Perth from Tokyo. China Eastern is going to be doing something from Shanghai early next year. So, you know, all these businesses are getting together. So it's it's great, and it's great for our brand to uh, to get out there in Asia. Look, it, it is history making for the glory, Tony. Is there a way that fans can grab um, Asians Champion League memberships and be a part of it all? Yeah, so memberships are uh, are on sale now. It's um, you know it's, it's like sixty bucks for three games and uh, thirty bucks for kids. So it's quite reasonable, um, and you know people can sort of come to all three games. Uh, they're Tuesday, Wednesday nights probably kick off around seven o'clock, um, and we're hoping that we can get at least you know a decent crowd and um, and show the you know the Asian Champions League that uh, you know we've got very very good supporters in uh, in Perth. Both competitions are very important to win, but which one takes precedent throughout that period where you do have to juggle the A-League alongside the Asian Champions League? Uh, I suppose you always want to win your domestic. Um, you know, last year we got really close to winning the grand final. You know, played at home in front of 57,000 and uh, ended up losing in penalties. Uh, you know, we won the home and away, um, which gave us the entry uh, into Asia. But, uh, no, we want to win as many trophies as we can, so we're going to try and... Uh, balance a squad that we can do that and uh, have success in both competitions. Do you do any recruiting between now and then to try and bring anybody else into the squad? 
Yeah, well, January the transfer window opens up, so we'll see you know the roster and what we need, and that's something that we're in discussions with uh, with Popper at the moment and, and Jacob Burns, our football director. So we'll do that over the next week when the window opens in. I suppose I think it's about the fifth or sixth of Jan. So you know, if there's potential to bring some someone in and we can fit it in within the salary cap, um, then yeah, definitely. Tony, really appreciate your time here on Off the Bench. Don't forget Saturday night. We need as many people as we can because we want to beat the Wanderers at home. Absolutely. And we hope the Perth Glory can do that. That was Tony Pignata, the Glory's CEO. Plenty more still to come here on Off the Bench. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver, Paul Hazelby with you. We're going to turn our attention to a little bit of basketball, Hayes. And uh, what a win on Thursday night for the Wildcats. Yeah, game. Yeah, game 400 for Trevor Gleeson. Well done to that man. There's only been eight coaches in NBL history that have gone past the magical 400 number. You probably think he's got another at least 200 games in him, given he's at the top of his game. They got it done last night against Cairns, who's been their their bogey team this year, and they actually struggled for most part. But again, in the last quarter, they have the great players that come to the fore. It was Cotton, it was Tariko White. Nick Kay is back to his very best. I think he should be included in the All-Star team so far from what I've seen this year. But uh, Jesse Wagstaff, the other one, seven points in the first two minutes of the last quarter. They needed something, and it's so important to have those players come off the bench. Guys like Greg Hire have done in the past. Jesse's done it for a long time, and he is still delivering... The Wildcats very well positioned, and this time last week you actually said they I wrote were them in off. trouble. I said Zero and done. two. They'll They've go. now gone three and zip. They comfortably sit in second position now, and they're going to finish in the top four, and they're going to be a force. And you know, if I had said they'll win, they would have gone on to loss. So really, I was the best thing that ever happened to them. But you mentioned the guys that need to come off the bench and play those roles. Clint Steindl has been a guy that's been doing that recently. A poor night, just one of mm. six from three, two of eight overall. Played eighteen minutes, so played just under half the game. So a substantial amount of minutes without much actual result on the court in terms of points. But for the Wildcats to come away from Cairns, a team that they haven't beaten, in their home court without uh, the the impact of a guy who's come off the bench recently and been really dominant for them is a huge positive. And you're looking at guys, Bryce Cotton shot under 50%. Uh, Nick Kay over 50%, though. Tariko White hovering around 50% as well. So some really good signs here for the Wildcats. And look, up against the Bullets on Saturday night, the Bullets never an easy out, uh, but the Wildcats heavy favourites, as you'd expect on the back with three fantastic wins for them. And game 300 to Damien Martin. He's been a star. I think he's got five championships across his career. So Is there, yeah. is there a more quintessentially West Australian athlete than a guy like Damien Martin. What he's meant to that team, but also him being synonymous with the actual franchise. I think uh, him and Matthew Pavlich, I think they stand at the top of the list here in Western Australia for what they've done over a long, long period of time. Pav didn't get the championships, but Damien Martin, what he's given to the community as well has been enormous. Now, I'm surprised it's taken so long, but I'm not sure if you saw this week. Ben Simmons... He got another three-pointer. What a joke and this is. Why I can can't he shoot you, from out there? Did you see the footage? Because Ben Simmons yeah. was, mate, he had the whole car park to himself. Exactly. These guys. So the corner three is statistically the easiest shot in basketball to make uh, in terms of a, a risk-reward and, and benefit ratio. And you look at points per possession and all these type of analytics things. Easiest shot in basketball to make. The fender turns around, sees it's Ben Simmons, and goes, no, nah, no, nah, I'll, I'll shape up for the rebound here. Swish! Two of two for Ben Simmons. He's Is that all he's had? He's, he's, ta- he's both taken two Why shots. Why isn't he shooting more? Well, you've got to take them within the flow of the offense. You've got to play to your strengths as well. 
Yeah, two thing. from two. When you're on a roll, that's what I say. Mate, Just keep getting to the contest. There's a reason he's not listed in the uh, NBA uh, three-point percentage records at the moment because there's a minimum amount of shots you need to mm. take uh, before you start getting into the records. I feel like it's it's based on per game. I think it might be based on at least one and a half per game uh, attempted, so I'm not sure what the actual uh, figures are. But there's a reason that people aren't guarding him. It's because if you keep doing it until you can do it consistently with uh, a high enough volume of work behind you, people won't respect him. But it's great for him and his development. A lot of debate last year about him being an all-star. Is he an all-star right now? Uh, right now, he's probably an all-star just because of how the Eastern Conference is working out. I think he's probably in the 10 best players in the East. Whether or not um, the NBA does something going forward and they change the all-star format, I'm not sure. But yeah, I think he's an all-star again this season. This is Off the Bench. Rob Beaver and Paul Hazelby with you. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Rob Beaver, Paul Hazelby with you on your Friday, Haze. You teased this right at the top of the show. We've had so much to get through that we're only just getting to it now. But you mentioned 2019's almost over. This is your last show for Off the Bench for 2019. And you wanted to take us on a walk through memory lane and just say, what, what was the biggest sporting story of 2019 for Paul Hazelby? Well, you're going to do the story. I'm going to do the controversy. And that was right here in the West. It was Willie Rioli. It was the West Coast Eagles going to the MCG to take on Geelong. And prior to that game, he was removed from the team, removed from the hotel for tampering with his sample and now faces a long ban with Asada. It's a big story. It's been one hell of a story for him to get to the AFL, given everything that he went through, and then obviously missing a fantastic opportunity to play in another final series with the West Coast Eagles. I can tell you that he's actually returning to the West Coast Eagles for training uh, come January 6, it looks like. So we'll come back and spend most of the year here training with the West Coast Eagles, which I think is a good idea because of his weight issues in the past. I think if he is, then he's obviously allowed. But that I thought there was a complete blanket ban on anything to do with professional sport. So I'm not sure how that works. I'm sure the Eagles have, have done their due diligence, but that's uh, that's interesting. That's news to me. Yeah, I think he needs to be here from a training point of view, even if it's not with the main group. I think he can be placed elsewhere with uh, certain fitness experts. But if the ban is only one year, he would have mostly served that already. So I think it's important for Willie Rioli to to, to get some normality in his life as well. He spent some time up there in the Tiwi Islands. But that was the big story for me in 2019. Yours? Uh, I'm going to go Ash Party. Mm, party, party, party. How could you... She's been irrepressible a lot of times. I mean, she choked in the Fed Cup, but we won't yeah. hold that against her. I think that was my dig a couple of months ago. But look, fantastic. Of course, we all know, won the French Open. Great. Picked up a Grand Slam. Finishes the year as the number one ranked female tennis player in the world, um, sweeps the awards, the Newcomb medal she took out, the AIS awards last week. I think she picked up a couple of awards there um, as well. Pretty much the Fed Cup was the only blemish on her record for the entire year, which is sensational. Can't wait to see her in action at the Australian Open. But some honourable mentions I'm going to throw out here. Ross Lyon. Yep, sacked. That's just everything about that. It was a, a full 12-month saga almost. Is he going? Is he not going? He loves the players. He doesn't love the players enough. So now he's hugging that five after games on field. <laughs> everyone loves everybody, and then he gets fired. Uh, no doubt two weeks after, everyone said, no, we've got his back, which is pretty much the uh, the ultimate uh, precursor to a sacking. And Russia being banned, this happens um, last week, or maybe even the start of this week, but Russia being banned from the Olympics in certain sports. This is... It hasn't got a lot of press right now, I think, just because of the time of year and everything else going on. But when we turn the page into 2020, the Olympic year, of course, I think that's going to be something that continues. And I think as we get closer, Russia will continue to go. You know, some of our athletes are clean. Let's let these people in, let these um, people serve their bands. But 
Uh, that's where I think it lands for me at the moment. And I think there'll be more next year uh, leading towards the Olympics in Tokyo. It's going to be a fantastic year. Just looking forward, I think next year, this is my prediction, it's going to be dominated second by... Big call, second big call, second big Alex D. Manua. Manua. Alex, Alex D. Manua. Yeah. I don't want to call him Manua. That didn't sound right. <laughs> Alex, Alex D. Manua. I think he's going to have a sensational 2020. Look out for this kid. Big rise this year. Number 17, I think he now is in the world. I think he'll be the Ash Barty story of 2020. And if he can get on a roll in the opening couple of weeks of the Australian Open, or the opening couple of rounds, I should say, of the Australian Open, look for the public to get behind him because we've been screaming out for a tennis player in the men's draw that isn't a complete tool for years. Sticking with tennis, I think uh, the big three are going to be dethroned next year. Daniel Medvedev will become the new world number one and will win a Grand Slam. Off the bench, Paul Hazelby, Rob Beaver with you. We'll come back with the latest in odds for Sportsbet, then we'll wrap up the show. Off the bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Who's on a roll? Visit your local club, gotalovethebolo.com.au. Who's on a roll, Hayes? I'll tell you who's on a roll. Marnus Labashane is on a roll. Uh, first player in a long time to score three successive centuries. Of course, two against Pakistan, this one against New Zealand. He is going to be a force to be reckoned with for a long time. He's on a roll for me. Head to your nearest bowls club and get involved. Visit gotalovethebolo.com. Dot I love the bowler. Gotta love the. I love bowls clubs. You know, like bowls late when you work with they? Tim Gossage, who's normally on the show, he yeah. gets a bit reckless late. Yeah. I'm feeling yeah. like that now. Like the festive season yeah. is coming up. Well, this is uh, your last show. This is your yeah. last probably three minutes of uh, of recording. For Next week, I'll be driving. I'm driving across Australia for those out there. We'll listening be halfway now. between Kalgoorlie and Sajuna yeah. or something. Won't I you? will be staying in Sajuna for a night, then going to Lawn, then going to Ballarat and Bendigo and Kangaroo Boxing Day Island. Test on the assumption Streaky that the pitch Island. Is yeah. yeah, Boxing Day Test is going to be fantastic. You've been though. to Kangaroo Island before? No. Oh, I lived in Adelaide for 12 months. Never really? went there. Really? It's not that far there. from it's Adelaide. It's not that far, but I never went there. It just never seemed mm. really interested in it. But we've got our Christmas party too tonight. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Now you yeah. need to just... Uh, just rope it just in, calm okay? down. Yeah, like, I know you get a bit excited, well, uh, you young, know. single, and all that type of stuff. R- Ricky might make an appearance. It's a real danger period for you is all no, I'm saying. No, it's not a danger period at all. Just very, very a. responsible. Well, if no, in doubt, come and talk to uh, the older, more seasoned, more mature uh, Hayes over yeah, here. You only okay? had Mad Mondays at free. You never had Mad Fridays, did you? No, no. Always Mad Mondays. Always preparing for our losses on the Friday. So, look, <laughs> so looking ahead to the weekend, obviously, the cricket on. And I'm looking forward to parking myself in front of the couch. With that, is there anything else coming up over the Christmas and New Year's period before you return in early January that you're looking forward to, apart from obviously being at the Boxing Day test on the assumption the pitch is up to scratch? Excited for that, but also excited for the President's Cup as it's unfolded. I haven't spoken about that today, but a terrific start by the Australian side uh, over the weekend. This is big because it's been 21 years, Beef, since we've actually won the President's Cup, and I think for the long-term sustainability of this event, the internationals need to show something. you ever been on a plane like the one Tiger Woods came in on? Yeah. 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 How was it? Was it good? Well, I didn't see what was on the inside. Oh, what do you mean? Like recliners and LED lighting strips and three personal chefs and a gourmet kitchen. It was fantastic, apparently. Life's pretty good for tigers. Did you hear what he said? He's like, I spent 20 hours in a a tin can or something. I was like, mate, Mate, you you live in a different world. Live in a different world. Completely different world. Um, Hayes, thank you for you. Thank you too, I should say, for your contributions throughout the year. It's been magnificent having you on the show. Looking forward to your Christmas break, I'm sure. Thank you to you, Beaver, filling in and being the producer throughout the year. And uh, a sincere thank you to everybody out there that has tuned into our show across 2019. We've loved it and hopefully you've enjoyed it. And uh, stick with us. We hope to be back in 2020. And uh, next week, Adam Papalier and Tim Gossage will be in the chair for your final edition 
of Off the Bench for 2019. We'll be wrapping up the entire year as well as anything that happens between now and then. This has been Off the Bench on behalf of Paul Hazelby. My name's Rob Beaver. Off the Bench with Paul Hazelby and Rob Beaver. Who's on a roll? Visit your local club, gotalovethebolo.com.au. Who's on a roll, Hayes? I'll tell you who's on a roll. Marnus Labashane is on a roll. Uh, first player in a long time to score three successive centuries. Of course, two against Pakistan, this one against New Zealand. He is going to be a force to be reckoned with for a long time. He's on a roll for me. Head to your nearest bowls club and get involved. Visit gotalovethebolo.com. Gotta love the bowler. Gotta love it. I love bowls clubs. You know, like late when you work with Tim Gossage, who's normally on the show, he gets a bit reckless late. I'm feeling like that now. Like the festive season is coming up. Well, this is Uh, your last show. This is your last probably three minutes of uh, of recording. Next week I'll be driving. I'm driving across Australia for those out there. Be halfway uh, between Kalgoorlie and Sejuna or something. I will be staying in Sejuna for a night, then going to Lawn, then going to Ballarat and Bendigo and Kangaroo Island. Boxing Day Test on the assumption that streaky island. Yeah, Boxing Day Test. It's going to be fantastic. You've been though. to Kangaroo Island before? No. Oh, I lived in Adelaide for 12 months. Never really? went there. Never it's not that far there. from it's Adelaide. not that far, but I never went there. It just never seemed mm. really interested in it. But we've honest. got our Christmas party too tonight. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Now you need yeah. to just... Uh, just rope it just in, calm okay? down. Yeah, like I know you get a bit excited, well, uh, you young, know. single, and all that type of stuff. R- Ricky might make an appearance. It's a real it's danger period for you is all no, I'm saying. No, it's not a danger period at all. Just very, very responsible. Like, if no, in doubt, come and talk to uh, the older, more seasoned, more mature uh, Hayes over yeah, here. You only okay. had Mad Mondays at free. You never had Mad Fridays, did you? No, no. Always mad Mondays. Always preparing for our losses on the Friday. So, look, <laughs> <laughs> so looking ahead to the weekend, obviously, the cricket on. And I'm looking forward to parking myself in front of the couch. With that, is there anything else coming up over the Christmas and New Year's period before you return in early January that you're looking forward to, apart from obviously being at the Boxing Day Test on the assumption the pitch is up to scratch? Excited for that, but also excited for the President's Cup as it's unfolded. I haven't spoken about that today, but a terrific start by the Australian side uh, over the weekend. This is big because it's been 21 years, Beef, since we've actually won the President's Cup, and I think for the long-term sustainability of this event, the internationals need to show something. you ever been on a plane like the one Tiger Woods came in on? Yeah. 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 How was it? Was it good? Well, I didn't see what was on the inside. Oh, what do you mean? Like recliners and LED lighting strips and three personal chefs and a gourmet kitchen. It was fantastic, apparently. Life's pretty good for Tigers. Did you hear what he said? He's like, I spent 20 hours in a a tin can or something. I was like, mate, Mate, you you live in a different world. Live in a different world. Completely different world. Um, Hayes, thank you for you. Thank you too, I should say, for your contributions throughout the year. It's been magnificent having you on the show. Looking forward to your Christmas break, I'm sure. Thank you to you, Beaver, filling in and being the producer throughout the year. And uh, a sincere thank you to everybody out there that has tuned into our show across 2019. We've loved it and hopefully you've enjoyed it. And uh, stick with us. We hope to be back in 2020. And uh, next week, Adam Papalier and Tim Gossage will be in the chair for your final edition of Off the Bench for 2019. We'll be wrapping up the entire year as well as anything that happens between now and then. This has been Off the Bench on behalf of Paul Hazelby. My name's Rob Beaver. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91